Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Monday Music Minute. I don't know what number we're on, but numbers don't exist in my ontology, so it's fine. Nice. Uh, we're talking about the uh, our favorite albums of the decade. Yeah. Today. We're just gonna get right into it. We're just gonna get right into it because we have um, too many. Because we ha- we each have ten. <laughs> we limited ourselves. Keyword is limited ourselves yeah. to ten each. Quote unquote. It took. I was able to just kind of shoot my shot real yeah. quick. Caleb suffered for a little bit longer but we each came out at the end of this ordeal with 10 albums yeah that we really liked that came out between the years of 2010 and 2019 um we are recording this in november of 2019 so in theory an album that takes a place on this list could come out in the next month it's just not gonna happen there's like such a small chance that it'll happen yeah um but hey you never know if that happens Maybe we'll post about it. I don't know. I'll think we'll do a new episode. <laughs> I just want to entertain that idea because that'd be cool yeah. if that happened. Um, but we're going to go. We're just going to alternate. I apologize for the chord sounds in the background if you can hear that. Um, and we're going to start with Caleb Davis, who is my co-host, who I didn't introduce, but also who That's else, okay. is, yeah, who else we, is it going to be? I think everybody knows. Well, we could drop a bomb on him and be like, it's... Someone that isn't Caleb. Yeah, it's someone it's else. Peter with opinions on music. <laughs> I, I, I think he does. He definitely uh, does. We no, are he do. NF once. Nice. It's a good but time. But that's beside the point. So, so Caleb's going to start. My name is Caleb. I am the co-host on this show. Yeah. And I'm going to start off with one of my favorite albums from the past 10 years. There is no order or rhyme or reason to any of this. Mm-hmm. This is just in the order that I have them written down. And maybe I'll I'll, I'll add a little bit of variety. And th- and this is very off the cuff. Even I, I oh, mentioned for the sure. took a little bit more time. This is still just what we're thinking of right now yep. under the pressure of we need to record an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... If we took more time to come up with these lists, even if we didn't order them, who knows? They might be a little varied, might have a couple things swapped out. But that's the joy of music because so much of it is really good yeah. and it sucks. There is so much good it music out there. It sucks that there's so much good music. It's crazy. But also it's great. It's mostly great. So, Caleb, what is your first pick? The The first pick that I have here is uh, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens. Oh. Um, yeah, who's that man? I can't even Sounds hear like he's him. He's from Illinois. He sings so softly. Um, but yeah, Susan Stevens is definitely one of my favorite artists. The the things that he does, we were even talking about this before. Some mm-hmm. of this is, is hard because he has such a wide variety of stuff just within his own personal even discography. Even though he only put two and a half, I guess, yeah, primary yeah. albums out within mm-hmm. this decade versus his more than that, like I think four or five yeah. of the prior decade. Just within those two and a half and all of his side releases, there's so much variety. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, like, I like the different stuff that he does for different reasons because they have different purposes, and I think they accomplish those purposes really, really well, but in different ways. Um, But so the first one that I'm going to talk about is Carrie and Lowell. Um, This album came out in 2015. Um, It is uh, almost entirely about um, the death of his mother, um, and also about uh, his father-in-law, who I believe later did pass away, but was alive at the t- at the time the I album was being recorded. I think Eugene is still alive. Is he still alive? I think he, he works for Asthmatic Kitty or something. I know he helped did. fund Asthmatic Kitty. I know he's involved. I was yes. under the impression that he is currently dead, but I could be wrong. And that's we'll, 
Google can, it at some point and do an addendum at the end of the episode that yeah. Caleb will insert here. Hey, everyone. It's Caleb. I tried to do a little bit of research about whether or not Lowell was still alive, but I couldn't find much. However, because I didn't find anything that confirmed his death, I think it's safe to say that he's still alive. If you happen to know more about this, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. Now, back to the rest of the episode. Yes. Anyways. So, but anyways, it's largely about his his mother's death, um, uh, and it's a a beautiful album. It's gorgeous. It so a lot of the themes have to deal with grief and loss, um, and and kind of trying to find yourself in the midst of that, um, and and it's it's crazy. Yeah, There's so much stuff that's good with someone with yeah, you have yeah. a difficult relationship with, but albeit one that fundamentally should be and just genetically is so close yeah um, it's a very absolutely. heavy album even if almost all the instrumentation and vocals are everything's very light yeah it's yeah contrast so um it m- instrumentally um when you compare this album to a lot of his other stuff it is quote-unquote more simple mm-hmm. um because uh, it's all it all revolves around mostly um, acoustic finger picking, um, but there's also the some really nice swells and piano, and there are some electronic stuff that come in in a couple of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it really everything revolves around that acoustic finger picking, um, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And even though it, they all have kind of a common theme to them, um, the the variety within the different songs um, and the different themes that he explores within that is beautiful and each song connects with me in a different way and like for a different reason and so it's just this is an album that i really like because of how it explores sadness and grief and loss um and it's really touching to me and like you can hear the emotion musically vocally lyrically instrumentally and Mm -hmm. it's just it's a beautiful album about loss and grief and trying to find yourself in the midst of that it's not something you should try out if you're uh feeling happy no 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 no. you need to be in a certain mindset mind state yes you want to be very deliberate when you listen to it because if you just listen to it all the time you probably either will get depressed or more likely you already are um oof but it's it's makes it all better. Yeah. Not really, really, but it does. Really good. <laughs> so yeah, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens. We could have picked any of his primary two albums. Caleb also has a, has a lot of love for Planetarium, another yeah. Sufjan collaborative album. So definitely yeah. check out anything of his from this decade. Chances are it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, my first pick is, I, I'm structuring this in a way where I kind of start out with a couple of my like I'd say my core favorites that aren't really respective of genre because later on, spoiler alert, some of the albums I'm going to talk about, the reason why I love them is tied into their genre and how that influenced my love of an entirely new realm of music. Yeah. We'll save most of that for later though, but I'm going to structure where I have some of my core favorites, get into the genre stuff, and then end with one more core favorite. So I'm going to make a really top-heavy sandwich. Nice. Um, That's my favorite kind of sandwich. Cool. I love sandwiches. Um, so my first album pick, and probably my number one, if I had to put a number on it. I didn't consciously rank these, but I would argue that most of the time this would be my number one. Um, and that is M83's Hurry Up or Dreaming from 2011. Ooh. Um, it's, at its, I guess it's like a, a synth pop album. Nice. But the synth 
to borrow the metaphor that every music writer has used, are as tall as skyscrapers. Um, so it's just really ambitious, really over the top, expansive. Sure. It takes every single emotion and ramps it up to 11. There's a song about a magic frog and everyone hates it, but I don't. Yo, and I that, dig that. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's just like adorable and beautiful and like so sentimental. People yeah. Like, it's a stupid frog song. I'm like, you're right, but <laughs> it's cute. You can't so stop you me. You can't stop me from liking the magic frog song. Beyond the magic frog song though, it is an album about adolescence and the diso- how it dissolves into adulthood and how you want to hang on to your childhood emotions and your childhood memories mm. and just retaining that sense of wonder and innocence. Um, and mo- it, most of it, that h- most of what hits me is the instrumentals. Sure. Um, like there, I'd say a good half of these songs at one point or another in my life, um, if I even listened to like them, just started listening to them and heard like the first notes, I would probably start like sobbing. Oh. They were just so profoundly emotional. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for that. Um, the reason I can't cry to mostly songs anymore is because I did it too many times. <laughs> that's I don't know if that's like psychological or scientific. Sure. But if you listen to one song to make yourself cry too many times, chances are it stops working as efficiently. Um, Oof. But that is not, I don't love them just because they make me cry. That is, it. it's often a very cathartic cry. And you, it's not like I'm in mourning or I'm sad. It's just, I'm overwhelmed by the, just the power of yeah. the music. Um, it's just such a transcendent record. Um, one other detail that I love that sticks out, at least to people that are fans of the band, M83, mostly it's been the project of one, initially two people, but mostly just one man, Anthony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. A lot of his earlier music did not emphasize vocals. Did not uh, it, the vocals were mixed very low, if present at all. It was a lot more instrumental, a lot more shoegazy. Sure. But as his discography, just as time went on, vocals became more and more prominent, kind of culminating with this record. Hmm. And he is singing his face off on so many of these songs. Nice. And a lot of like the lyrics are about like dreams, hence the title, and like very yeah. loose kind of. S- impressionistic lyrics about like cities and dreams and like the the power of the night and stuff like that. And when I phrase it like that, it probably sounds like it's crap, but it's, <laughs> I don't know what he's saying like half the time. Cause he has a very strong French accent. And he also like his, just the way he vocalizes is like, I don't know what you're saying, but it's beautiful. Yes. Um, but thank you for saying, thank it. you. <laughs> thank you. Frog man. Um, <laughs> definitely listen to the album. It's again, hurry up. We're dreaming by M83. You've, you've probably heard midnight city. That it's got like the that like off kilter kind of synth riff that people probably heard if they listened to the radio or any pop music around the early 2010s, around 2011, 2012. Yeah, that's the song that I heard on the radio that turned me on to the album. But I'm a real fan now because I've listened to all the albums. But that's the song you probably recognize from it. And if you like that song, especially if you like the song, I'm sure you'll love the, the rest of the full record. Um, again, one more time, that's M83's "Hurry Up, We're Dreaming" from 2011. Very cool. Cambodian pick. Yes, my next pick. So the the I feel like I'm going to reveal the kind of music that I listen to with a lot of these picks. Sad. Uh well, I it, yes, I mean that <laughs> is a theme. That is a theme. Um but so the the next one that I'm picking. This one is probably the the most hype album that I that I have. It's Vessel Upbeat. by 21 Pirates. <laughs> 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 Pirates. <laughs> 
<laughs> Twenty One Pirates, my favorite. Yar. My favorite white rap band. Uh, no, Twenty One Pilots, Vessel by Twenty One Pilots. No, what I what I mean by hype is <laughs> is like more more widely recognized. Oh yeah, no, I definitely um, know what you mean. What now that you've said the album? Yeah, albeit with the wrong band name. Yeah. <laughs> so one more time, just so I can prove I'm not a complete fool. Vessel by Twenty One Pilots. Pilots. Twelve Pilots. Um, this this album. <gasps> Vessel. It's a ship. Yeah, it is. Oh no! Ah, uh, <laughs> um, this this album I really really like, and of the stuff that I've listened to of theirs, I actually still haven't listened to Trench yet, which I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've heard. I've heard good things about it, and I just, I don't know. I just haven't got Joel has a lot of opinions on it. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, um, Vessel. This is their. Technically, their first like big release, it's their debut major album. Yes, yeah. Though they put out a self-titled album a couple years earlier, and, and they, then they also put out, had like, a locally released, not yes. easily accessible online, mm-hmm. which album. was a lot of the songs that made it onto Vessel, and then they redid, Al- yeah, uh, like demo, almost demos. Yes, they weren't yeah. demos at the time. They weren't like labeled as demos, but they were just reworked substantially for Vessel. Yes, yes, and that absolutely. Album, I think it's from 2010, and it's regional at best. Yes, you're correct. Um, but Vessel was released in 2012. Um, and 13. Uh, iTunes is telling me 2012. Oop, I'm a fool. So maybe. Well, also Apple is a capitalist hoe. So you're right. But anyways, Sorry. this this <laughs> album I like a lot because for one, the, I think the thing that draws me to this is just how unique this this album is i think um at the, especially at the time oh for sure yeah yeah and and at the time that it came out i hadn't really heard anything like this um and that's that's because and i i think i even remember hearing tyler joseph talk about this in an interview mm-hmm. um he was saying that a lot of the songs that are on this album like he didn't really understand anything about song structure when he was writing them so he was just like i'm just gonna write this this is what I think a song is. And so some of the songs on this album don't follow your basic like verse chorus verse chorus thing. Like holding and they still hold, feel st- pretty structured. In yes, a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Not like in like the classic like A B like verse chorus verse chorus verse yeah. chorus. And that's not to say they that they aren't those, structured. They still use those same elements just in unique ways. Yes, because one thing that is that I I really enjoy about this album and other songs that do this is like some of the like time changes that happen in a yeah. couple of the songs, like semi-automatic. There's a really mm-hmm. fun time change that happens in that song, and I, I love things like that. It's I love like it beat when shifts for Tumblr kids. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun to me. I like variation, and I think it's really cool if you can successfully create variation within one song and I think that's something that they did really well in several of the songs on this like Ode to Sleep is another <gasps> really good song where they that, like that song is strange song it is but I love it it's so good it, I hated it's that fantastic. song for the first like couple listens of the album and then yeah. just on the third album or third time through I'm just like I think this is. <laughs> I think I love this. This is actually art. This is actually a but epic. It's funny that you mentioned that because "Holding On to You" is the first song that I heard okay. from them. Mine was "Guns and, for Hands," and I remember the first couple of times that I heard it, I was like, "I don't really think I like this." Like, I don't. His voice isn't great, um, <gasps> but like, but I'm, I'm kidding, I mean, I'm like, and especially on "Holding On to You," it's very just kind of like off the cuff, and like, uh, it, like it sounds off the cuff, and it's yeah. not super. 
um like like compared to s- some of the stuff that they're doing now sometimes it sounds yeah. it just has that more finished polished produced oh sound yeah. to it and not to say that that's the benefit of money yes and i'm not saying that that sound is bad but like when i heard that at first i was like oh yeah this isn't that great whatever it's fine but then i listened to it more and now, and now it's you're definitely ex- you're the captive. It's it, yeah. Stockholm syndrome. This is now. definitely my favorite album of the stuff that I that I have listened to, which is this and Blow Your Face. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've listened to everything except for I found like a YouTube rip of Regional at best, but I don't. I can't say I've listened to it recently enough to have an yeah, opinion. Yeah, sure. Um, I have two. I love this album too, and I have two interesting little stories. Yeah, go for um, it. One is just how I found the band. Uh, I was just stalking the instagram of someone who is a great older than me in my band yeah in high school because i thought he was really cool nice and i sort of knew who his record or at least knew who his girlfriend was through church and i'm like wow they're so cool that's so i stalked his instagram and he'd seen 21 pilots live i think at least at least once if not two times and yeah like, okay he, he i i have projected this weird air of coolness onto this person i'll yeah. check out this band so I just looked them up on YouTube, listened to Guns for Hands. So I was like, this is kind of stupid. Um, didn't really like it. And then kind of similar to what Cable was saying, just like mm-hmm. the more I listened to it, the more I listened to the actual full album, the more I was kind of like, this is one of my favorite albums of the decade too. Yeah. Um, and it's also funny that you mentioned the musical variety that's present on this album. Yeah. I would say between this this and like their self-titled debut are their least varied albums. Because Blurry Face is just kind of like, they did like drugs or something and like they're just all over the place even more so i think vessel is all over the place but within one sonic palette which i think oh, oh, i yeah. think makes it stronger yes and um, I, and i i would I, I when i say variation i guess i don't necessarily mean like within different tones or genres mm-hmm. but i mean variation mostly structurally like with yeah. h- with how they kind of break that ABAB mold yeah. and not to say that they don't ever do that on that album no. but there's more structural variation yeah. on vessel than there is in blurry face i just thought what relatively I speaking trends. that w- they just varied this one aspect of their musicianship of their song structure yeah as opposed to blurry face i feel like on trench they kind of reverted back to like kind of having one ish sound sure kind of like experiment within that and go all over the place um yeah the blurry faces is kind of like what if we took a soup and threw it at the wall <laughs> and then pointed at each different vegetable and was like that's a song that bean that's a song that carrot that's a song and i mean i wish it'd be back in the bowl because i like the soup but yeah that's where the metaphor kind of dies but nice yeah it's a good, uh, vessel is a good album so yeah vessel <laughs> 21 pilots this is going to be a long episode, oh boy. Yes, it um, is. My second album uh, is something that I can't relate to, really, given that I don't hang out with the boys. I don't go drinking with the boys. <laughs> I've never <laughs> questioned whether the boys were back in town too seriously. <laughs> but this album is arguably the most like open-hearted bro hug of an album. Yeah. That album is... Celebration Rock by Japan Droids, which came out in 2012. Um, this band, strange, not offensive, but weird name yeah. that they have. Um, they are a duo of Canadians, I believe from Vancouver. Um, it's just guitar and drums, and they make a lot of noise with it. Um, there's a, We have through line with a large deal of these albums, um, with the exception of the rap albums I'm going to talk about later, where... 
the primary connective between all of them is just how open-hearted and unashamedly emotional they are. Sure. And whether that's like, I'm crying at the stars because I am alive and that's so overwhelming, or I'm driving down the highway at 4 a.m., leaving my hometown that I have been in for 25 years in order to like seek a career in art or something like that. Yeah. That's kind of what the vibe of a lot of Celebration Rock is. I saw a review once, um, one of the most creative and actually best memorable reviews that I've ever read of an album because usually music criticism is just like, here's some paragraphs, here's why I think it's good, which is, I, that's what I want to do for a living, so I'm not going to knock it. Yeah. But like, there isn't always a lot of room for creativity, especially now that it's been all commercialized. But this review talked about just the sensation of allowing yourself to make bad decisions and like oh. th- the I think the most common frame of reference for us or our listeners is when you have homework to do, you have a lot of homework to do, you have an early morning class, but someone's yeah. like, hey, do you want to go do this fun thing with uh, some friends, like with a group of people? And you say yes to that and you have a great time and you totally probably regret it when you get back at like 3 a.m. and you still have to do homework or you just don't do your homework. Yeah. But you like the the rush and like the how alive you are and like how much fun you're having during that those hours of disregard of your responsibilities when you're just like focused on bonding and all that sort of stuff that is similar to like the emotion that these guys kind of bow down to yeah um it's all about that you could read it in the title uh celebration rock it's not intended to be that but it's kind of is a celebration of just like the power of rock music to just lift you up like that and set you lift you up and set you free um and just living kind of and acting without consequences. Yeah. Or uh, rather disdain, being disdainful of the consequences. You know yeah. there's going to be consequences, but you're like, I no, I'm going to get drunk with my with my boys and have a great time instead. Yeah. Um, it, they, they are very drunk. I'll, I'll, just leave, <laughs> it at, I'll leave it at that. But cool. um, it's a real good one. It's Celebration Rock by Japan Droids. They have three albums out. I guess four if you count their like EP, double EP reissue, but who cares about that? Nice. All three are really, 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 really good, but this is the best and definitely my favorite. Um, probably my favorite pure rock record of the decade. Cool. Very nice. Okay, so my next pick is going to be All the Little Lights by Passenger. Pas- yes, Passenger, not Passengers. Just one Passenger. Did you pick that or did your fiancé pick that? Uh, I picked it, but she also really likes it. Um, So... This is, uh, Passenger is primarily kind of a... In the passenger seat. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) He's always with us. No, he's primarily um, a uh, folk singer-songwriter kind of guy. Um, It's just him. Um, Anyways, people are trying to talk behind us. But this this album, I, I have a couple other of his stuff. But this is the one that I listened to the most. This, uh, All the Little Lights came out in 2012. Um, and I, I think there's just lots of really great tracks on this one. Um, probably his biggest song, Let Her Go, is on this album. That's that's the kind of his biggest single that he that he got kind of famous Ar- for. Arguably his only really big song. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, people who know him will know other songs by him. But oh, that, like, that's the one that if you don't, if you're not familiar that's with That's the one him, that has, like, a billion views on YouTube yeah. or something. Yes, yeah. So that that <laughs> one's really good song. Um, but I think a lot of the other songs are are better than that song on this album because I mean that one. It's That's like kind of it's the, the radio case. hit. Yeah. yeah. So 
Um, but but yeah, there there's some aw- really awesome themes on this one, and he he tends to be kind of a little bit melancholy, um, and kind of points out things that that he thinks are wrong or bad about society or like how we act. Um, and so like the 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 title track, all the little lights. Um, the the idea behind that song is that like when we're born, we have all these little lights that just glow up inside of us, and that represents all the things that we know and love. And then slowly as we get older, those lights go out. And so we lose the things that we know and we love. Oh, no. And so, like, slowly we just lose all of the little lights. I was about to make a comment about how no cynic could enjoy this album, but then you drop that bomb on yeah, us. It's no. like, oh, shoot. No, that is very realistic, very self-aware. He, he is, like he like I was saying, he is a little bit more melancholy and a little bit more cynical sometimes. And actually, there's a bonus track on this album called I Hate, um, and it's it's a live version is of the song. And cover? it's um. I actually don't know if it's a cover or not. I don't um, think it's a cover of Rammstein. They're a German metal band, okay. and the song is called Du Hast. Felicity is... Du, du Hast. It's not I, that. Yeah, but that was this, a joke. This song is all about things that annoy him, and so he he's just like, oh, yeah, I hate this thing. I hate that thing. I, I hate, hate this my thing. wife. I'm a boomer. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Getting okay, real. Boomer. But so... It, and then also some of his songs are, are very story-driven, like particularly mm-hmm. the song Holes. He tells the stories of a couple of people who their lives kind of just fell apart. Um, and so the concept behind that song is like we've got holes in our lives and like these things that we used to hold on to aren't here anymore and now it feels like there's a hole inside of us. Um, and so I just, I really like his his reflective and contemplative way of writing songs while also telling stories um, and his his musicianship is really fun too and like it, it captures that kind it's of melancholy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That for sure. It's, it, it, he's not like, classically like super good tonal kind of stuff um but like i i enjoy it i think his voice fits the kind of stuff that he sings um and i i really like his music i think this album is my favorite of the stuff that i have listened to by him and again that's all the little lights by passenger cool shout out to passenger Come on our podcast if you want a good time. Yeah. That sounded like a pop-up ad. It wasn't. It's me inviting you onto our show. (laughs) (laughs) So my third album, this is kind of a forced pick. um, (laughs) Oh. If I'm being completely honest. Because um, uh, this artist is a member of a band who's one of my my all-time favorite bands. Except all of the albums of theirs that are really really good and all of his solo stuff that's really 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 good or at least is my favorite his solo stuff is more consistent in the 2010s than there than his full band stuff but all my favorite stuff of his and all of my favorite stuff of his bands all came on the previous decade so i'm just kind of like well i should put something associated with them on here um and that is i almost said of course no one would have guessed um is panda bear who is a member of the band animal collective um they had a streak of like four or five albums in the early to late 2000s. They're some of my favorite albums of all time. His, Panda Bear's 2007 solo album, Person Pitch, is another one of my all-time favorites. But his 2015 album is probably my second favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one that I'm probably second most familiar with after Person Pitch, which is certainly lends itself to me enjoying it more. Yeah. And that album is Panda Bear Meets the Grim Reaper. Ah. Um, it's... 
a very conceptual record, more upfront. I think some of the his first album was kind of a meditation on I think his father dying. Uh. It's definitely a meditation on grief. Um, and his other albums aren't, at least off the top of my head, as explicitly conceptual. Yeah. But this album is a lot about actually his own fatherhood. Um, oh. Because I believe he came became a father close to the release of this album, and I'm sure that inspired a lot of the ideas going into it. For sure. Um, it's I would loosely categorize it as an experimental pop album. Okay. Um, he is definitely the poppiest member of the band, of their quartet. Sure. He has the probably like the most pure, straightforward vocal tone. He always gets compared to like the Brian Wilson type, like harmonies and very sun drenched. Sure. Um, but in this case, it's um if you took the sun and you put it in a bog um, oh. of acid, and it's just Oof. like gurgling and oozing, but still it's like glowing. Like yeah, you can see the sun glowing through. It's like it's like acid in like video games, like the bright, like neon green kind of looking. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, ooh, I don't want to step in that, but also it's like really transfixing and pretty, and you can like kind of can't help but look at it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the albums, like in the synth programming, just literally sounds like that or evokes those kind of sounds. It's very bubbly. It gurgles. It doesn't really sound like there's rhythm to it, but like yeah. there is, and it comes out in the weirdest ways. Like it sounds like these clicks and pops and like something that would just be ambience and any other artist's songs is yeah. what makes like the driving beat or a lot of like the driving elements of the songs. Um, he, and then he like, he stacks like freaking amazing harmonies on top of them. Cause that's just what he does. And he's like, what, how do you, why, how do you create such contrasting elements of the instrumentation versus your vocals and make it work? Yeah. Cause it's like so vastly different. Um, if you take the music at face value, but he brings them together in such a beautiful way. Um, and I more love just a couple songs from this album than I do the whole album, just because those are the ones I'm more familiar with. Yeah. A lot of what ends up being your favorite stuff may come from familiarity, because if you like something a lot, you're probably going to go back to it more often. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? Um, but overall, I do really enjoy the album. It's definitely better than his EP and album he put out in the last two years. And I'd like it a little bit more than his earlier in the 2010s album. I can't remember the name, but he put out another album earlier in the, in the decade. Yeah. This is probably my second favorite by him. Favorite of his by the decade, favorite animal collective associated release of the decade, at least as of thinking right now. Um, and again, that is Panda bears, Panda bear meets the grim reaper from 2015. Very cool. Okay, Caleb. Okay, great. So my next pick, I think this is number four for me, um, is. is this is Air for Free by Reliant K. Um, Reliant K is one of my favorite bands. I really like them a lot. Um, and this album kind of, uh, for one thing, it was it was really refreshing to hear new Reliant K music because they hadn't put anything out for a while. The, the album that they put out before that came out in 2013 so there's like a, a good three-year gap which isn't too that's long that's not bad at all but but you know i mean sp particularly because i wasn't really all that satisfied with, um, with the 2013 with, album yeah with um uh shoot collapsible oh. lung that's the name of the oh, album right, right, right. um because it was it was their their poppiest album and it still is their poppiest album um and i i it didn't have 
as many of the things that I love about their other stuff mm-hmm. in it yeah. as their other stuff does. Um, and so, so this album, Air for Free, is really refreshing, and I remember being really excited when it came out and being really satisfied with the end result oh of my it. God. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. That's I, so stressful. It was fantastic. I, I really liked it a lot. And there's, there's actually a lot of songs on this album. There are 16 songs on Oof. this. And How long is it? Uh, all together, you know. it's an hour, exactly an hour. Okay, that's not too bad for 16 tracks. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. if this were a Drake album, 16 tracks would be like 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that's still no, the, ambitious I mean, and long, but... Each song isn't necessarily super long, but like to me, 16 tracks is like that, that's 16 individual songs that you have to make for a single album. Yeah. Um, so like, but I, I, this album for me is really fun um, and it captures some of the, the more... Um, upbeat kind of punk energy that they had um, in their earlier works um, but it, it, I think it's a really good middle ground between their much poppier stuff that they did with Collapsible Lung and this, the more punk and rock stuff that they did pretty much everything before that point um, so there's lots of really fun songs on this album like uh, Mrs. Hippopotamus's Cat um, Air for Free, Elephant Parade. Like, th- there's a lot of songs that are fun, but I think there's also a really good element of depth to this as well. Um, this, uh, I believe, this album is meant to build off of what Air or Collapsible Lung and even Forget and Not Slow Down before that album were building off of, um, because a lot of it is about the lives of the t- the two guys who basically are Reliant K at this point, Matt Thiessen and Matt Hoops. Um, and a lot of the stuff that they're going through. Um, and so this is kind of the, the some of the culmination of the stuff that happened across Forget and Not Slow Down and Collapsible Lung. Um, and so it's kind of fun to see th- some of this, the issues kind of get resolved from those previous two albums, the stuff that they wrote about. and we love like character growth. Yeah, no, it's really good because um, particularly Forget and Not Slow Down is an album about like, uh, it it is kind of it kind of explores grief and loss. There was a lot of really hard stuff that that particularly Matt Thiessen was going through at the time, um, and so a lot of that album he writes about like frustration and being lost and and not knowing who he is or what he's supposed to be doing and things like that. Um, and then collapsible lung. There's kind of some themes of like oh the way that I'm going to cope with that that grief and stuff is I'm just kind of go go do whatever I want. Um, and so. Yeah. I think that's probably part of why there was more of a poppy theme to it because that kind of lends itself to that kind of music. Um, But then on this album, we get a lot of like, I'm starting to deal with this stuff now. Um, And adult about it. Yeah. Yeah. And some, and some of that is really good. Like I'm, I'm getting good conclusions out of me working through this. Um, And obviously there's, there's still songs about struggle and stuff, but, but there's also some really happy songs and, um, in particular, there's one one song that I'll, I'll touch on because it connects specifically back to Forget and Not Slow Down, but the song Sleepin', um, which he the idea is like he's not going to go to sleep. He wants to spend the entire night with this person that he loves, who I assume is his current wife, his who wife. he is married to. Um, but sorry. so like it's really fun. But um, near the end of the song, there's kind of a just a little instrumental break. Um, and in that, he plays a riff that was in the song Savannah, 
um, yeah. in Forget and Not Slow Down. And the reason why that's so meaningful is because Savannah was originally written to be played at his wedding, but then because of a lot of stuff that was going on, he and his fiance broke off their engagement and they didn't get married. And so that's where a lot of the like struggle and mm-hmm. grief and strife from that album came yeah. from. And so they still recorded that song and put it on the album. But then to hear it come back in this album be like, oh, he's happy now. Like it he worked out. Like he did get married and like things are okay. And like, yeah, there was still a lot of struggle, but like, <laughs> Yeah. It, it is okay now and it's not perfect but he's working through things and like it's getting yeah. better. So I love Sadie Hawkins dance. Yeah, me too. In my khaki pants. Oh. Um but so yeah, th- <laughs> I think there's a lot of charm to this album. It's it's a little less tongue in cheek than like their really early stuff. Yeah. Um but well, like it comes with youth. Yeah, I- exactly. I but say that like we're not young but yeah. <laughs> and they they even touch on that in their song Man, which is all about growing up and and like taking responsibility and and becoming a man and like doing the things that you're supposed to do um they make a line where he says i'll leave the pirate ships to kids who don't do anything or something like that and it's a reference yeah that's (laughs) that's the one (laughs) it's a reference back to kind of their early they did a a song the pirates who don't do anything which is actually from the show veggie tales did they originally write that or did they just i don't think they no they didn't write it they they played a song of it for a compilation of a bunch of bands that did covers of VeggieTales songs. Yeah, okay, they just did a cover. I was like, yes. Did Reliant K write the Pirates? Do, do, I don't do, do, think do. so. I'm pretty no, sure that was I, out for a while already. Yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, so this huh. this is an album that, that, for one thing, it was really exciting to hear new stuff from them, and it was really satisfying to hear what stuff they had done, but also I think it represents a lot of growth and some resolution to some of the issues that they had expressed in previous albums. So I, I, I think it's really great. Yeah, cool. It would have sucked if it wasn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, wow, the last album was kind of me- mediocre. Uh, I can't wait for the new one. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, it was good. Yeah, and again, that's Air for Free by Reliant K. Huzzah. What year did that come out? Uh, that one came out in 2016. 2016. Okay, I think that is the most recent. That we've talked about so far, yeah. But I'm about to dunk on you. Oh, no. We got a 2017 oh. album in the house. Whoa. <laughs> oh, we are children. And I don't care. Um, this album, despite how h- weird and nonchalant our little bit there was, is really sad. Oh, um, no. Not another sad album. Hey, but like, I don't care. It's just sad. Um, That's okay. It is the album. Uh, I, th- I can't remember. I don't know how many. I think it's like their 10th album or something. It's uh, they, they have a very rich and long discography. But this is the duo Hammock. They are an instrumental duo. I think they're, they operate out of Nashville. They operate primarily in the realms of ambient, post-classical. Sure. Kind of just a lot of, like, choral vocal stuff mixed with, like, ambient textures and, like, cello and, like, strings and just making this l- these long, expansive, atmospheric, beautiful songs. Yeah. Um, and this was the album of theirs that... Um, the, the first album of theirs that I heard and how I was introduced to them and they're now one of my all-time favorite artists. Yeah. Um, and another f- kind of funny story about how I found them, uh, I follow a couple, quite a few actually, um, music meme pages on <laughs> Facebook and completely out of nowhere, I was just lying on the guest bed at my parents' house because I don't have a room there anymore and it's just a guest room. Um, scrolling through Facebook like right around Christmas time uh, in 2017 
Yeah. And this one meme page just posted like their top 10 albums of the year. Oh, nice. And I recognize most of them usually when meme pages, especially if they're like making fun of like stereotypical like Reddit music and like yeah. Pitchfork, like that type of like fandom. But then there was this album, Mysterium by Hammock at the very top and I'd never yeah. heard of them. I'm like, what? That is really and he had like a brief description. Like it's just so beautiful. It's really emotional. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to check that out. I was completely undone by the first song and I was oh. just like crying just because it was so beautiful and just emotional. And that was before I even knew the story sure. of the album because oh. the album is inspired by the death of one of the two composers' nephews. Oh. I believe it is. He passed away. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head of what um, I've been meaning to listen to. They did an interview, I believe, around the time of the album that talks a lot more about that as in-depth, hopefully, within like respectability's reasons. Yeah. Um, but like their songs, like, I would give my breath away for my sister. This is not enough. Like, since there aren't, there are technically words um, sung by a lot of different choirs. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, with the exception of the closing track, which is marked as an epilogue, you don't necessarily know what they're saying. Um, just because it's so ethereal, there's a lot of reverb on it. You don't necessarily yeah. know what the words are. You're just more, res- at least I always tend to respond more to instrumentals as far as emotion is concerned. Yeah. Um, especially upon first listen. If something is l- going to lyrically get to me, I need to be listening to it very closely or over and over again. But with yeah. stuff like this, it just hits me and presumably hits a lot of people just right up front. Um, so in that, it's an album about grief, but it's not direct grief, which I think is sure. unique. And you don't hear a lot about that. You uh, kind of harken back to Sufjan as an album dealing with his own personal yeah. grief. Mm-hmm. And that is very often the case because uh, art and poetry and music, is a, they're all beautiful mediums for processing yeah. the emotion of grief. But this is grief that extends itself then it leads into just kind of a feeling of helplessness of just kind of like how pathetic can I be that I couldn't do anything about this. I couldn't help my sister and her family who I love so much that I couldn't do anything about this. I would do anything to take away this person's pain and take away their grief. And since I can't, I'm also grieving. Yeah. Um, and they take these super intense, heavy emotions and just crowd them into like this clouded ball of just complete pure emotion and atmosphere. And yeah. and then instead of letting it explode, they let it just kind of, I don't know, like when you throw like a, s- I just imagine it kind of like just expands. Sure, suddenly. yeah. Like if you ever seen like an animation of the Big Bang, mm-hmm. like there is clearly a Big Bang, but from the sp- often the perspective of the camera is just like a force of light and yeah. galaxy dust or whatever. It's just like something like just going and just expanding outward in every direction. Yeah. It's like, it's like kind of a sonic equivalent of that minus the fact that there's no actual bang. There's no real bang. Yeah. This album does not slap. It is, there are no bangers. <laughs> Unless you count emotional bangers. Yeah. I mean, the last song does kind of slap because it's got like a nice little drum beat and you're like, oh. I'm I'm bopping my head even as I'm crying. Oh um, boy! It's one of my favorite ambient albums or ambient sure. adjacent albums of all time, and that's just because of how like beautiful and emotional it is. Like that is what gets me most with this st- style of ambient drone, like these instrumentally, these instrumental genres and types of music. Yeah, and the fact that it was able to just hit me so close to home, 
even though I've never gone anything remotely close to this. Yeah. Um, it it makes you feel like you have, and you empathize so intensely. And there, that's the thing. They do that just with instrumentals. They're yeah. just with music. There's no words. That's beautiful. Um, and it's, I think that's just even what makes it even more powerful. Yeah. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, so we'll go to your fifth album. Nice. Yeah. And hopefully it'll be happier. Yeah. I, uh, bit i mean happier um no it's okay this so this <laughs> is my, my next album that i would like to talk about is called hedda himlin it's by the jelly rocks um so a uh, d- little bit of a of history the jelly rocks started as a side project um by um oh i'm gonna forget what his name is matt langston that's his name um who was the lead man for um the band 117 um, and probably most people don't know who either of those bands are, but that's perfectly fine. Um, <coughs> uh, so, but it, it, it was started as a side project and then it kind of blew up and he started doing more stuff with that. And he still does do some 117 stuff as well. Um, but so it's, uh, the, at least this album is definitely the, it falls within eighties synth pop <laughs> is the genre of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like the, a lot of the music is really fun and upbeat. Um, but the, the, the lyrics often have to deal with, um, a, like struggles with life and like living and figuring out who you are and like who you're supposed to be. He was, um, a pretty young when he wrote the stuff for this album. I think he was probably in like his late teens, early twenties, um, when he wrote a lot of this stuff. So it, it, a lot of it has to deal with like relationships with girls. Um, and I mean, oh, not, no. not every song, but like, but then also with establishing identity as oh, well. Boy. And like trying to figure out who it is that you are and, and struggling with just normal, normal issues of life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, I mean, I think the one song that describes the struggle the most is a song called all my bones. And the idea in that song is, that his body is tired of dealing with his soul and like it <laughs> like it's it's That's a mood like his body is kind of just waiting to be relieved of the weight of his soul because th- th- his soul is what causes is is what receives most of the like things that m- make living hard yeah because it, like his soul is the thing that has to deal with like uh depression or or loss of identity or like Mm. things like that and so it makes it hard for his body to exist in conjunction with Mm. the heaviness of his soul and so it's it's the the song is kind of like his his body is speaking to his soul and being like like we're tired and we're like we're waiting for to be free of this weight Mm. and so it's just kind of it's it's really a sad idea yeah of like of you being, relate to that. you being at war within your own existence yeah. um but i i think the the imagery is is really nice there and i i think yeah. the the music never the, heard of that before yeah the musicianship behind it also reflects that kind of like sadness and like the struggle to exist between those two different realities in the same place mm-hmm. um but a lot of the other songs are a lot more upbeat than that one is even though they deal with kind of similar ideas of like not knowing who you are um, and and struggling to to find yourself and how you fit in with the world and like people's expectations for you and things like that. Um, But 
we'll, I'll end it on a little bit more of a positive note. Probably the song that I like the most on this is a song called Glued, um, and it's about how uh, basically the idea is that the, the I think the girl that he was with, and I, he may or may not be married to her now. I don't know a ton about him personally, mm-hmm. but basically the idea that she keeps him glued together, and so it's really fun. It's it's super upbeat, and he's That's like tentatively unhealthy. You but I'm you can whistle all my tunes, you recolor all my blues, and you you keep me together when I'm having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. I can come to you and you help me deal with all of this stuff. So mm-hmm. that one's really fun. It's upbeat. Again, when that that out? album, 80s, if you like synth pop kind of stuff. Come out? Oh, yes, 2012. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Um, and the band, again, is the Jelly Rocks. Um, they have one other full-length album, and I think they have a couple other EPs as well. Um, but this one is Hedda Himlin uh, by the Jelly Rocks. Is that like German or something? Uh, you know what the title means? He's not German. I actually don't have any idea what the what the title refers to. Huh. Cool. How <laughs> mysterious of him. <laughs> yeah. How quaint. I'm sure it makes sense to him. And maybe it was... What a selfish man. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm going to name my album. <laughs> and no one's going to know what it means, especially not the record label or the fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So... That that's my fifth pick. Is What's your yours? Um, my fifth pick. It's weird because uh, we're going to divide this episode into two parts. Yes, it's yeah, quite long. Even though we it have is. now expanded, um, we na- now have we have um shed the 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 limits, the limitations yes, of the yeah. rabbit trail as far as timing is concerned. We still just think this would be better too. Um, yeah. So this is a bit of an awkward thing because this is where I'm going to jump into my genre. Um, my genre focused portion oh, sure, of my yeah. list. So, I guess that'll just give you even more reason to come just back a little for part taste. two. <laughs> just a little taste. If you want to hear me ramble about black metal, then you better come back, you <laughs> coward. So, well, I kind of gave that away. Um, it's a black metal album. Um, nice atmospheric black metal. Um, the most holy genre. Very Shout cool. out to Jesus is King by Kanye. West. Yes, that is atmospheric that is, black yeah. metal. Oh gosh, that'd be an interesting <laughs> remix. Um putting all that aside, um this album is kind of maligned by a lot of people. Oh. Um, by a lot of metal purists and by sure. a lot of people that I I guess on on both ends of the spectrum, people that yeah. like only want their their atmospheric black metal and they're just their black metal to not be atmospheric to just be more like the old school um, n- uh, Nordic, Swedish, sure, like, yeah, that up that far Scandinavian, far north Scandinavian metal, they want it to be just like that. And if it's not like that, then they're gonna discredit. And then there's people. Since this album, I'm still not gonna say the title. I'm gonna build up the suspense. Oh, um, oh man, it plays with a lot of elements in post rock and shoegaze and a lot of more American, um, guitar based instrumental. Sure. Um, palettes and styles of music, um, and the people that are more in like the camp of just kind of sitting firmly in like their I like my guitar music soft. Um, yeah, they're kind of critical of this because they're like, oh, it's just a band taking these sounds in order to be more commercially viable, in order to appeal sure. to a demographic, and just it's completely commercial. It's in nature, it's not artistic. And to that, to both sides, I say. Frick you. <laughs> I won't fight you if you're a black metal purist because you probably would eat me. Um, 
I don't mean that as a euphemism. They would might eat me. Um, and on the other side, I'll kick your butt. Because this album is really, really good, and I really, really like it. And I only heard about it because Pitchfork gave it a good score. I'm just going to get that out in the way front, out in the front, in the interest of transparency. Yeah. So shut up. But this album is uh, Deaf Heaven's Sunbather. came out in 2013. Um, and this pretty much single-handedly uh, made me a metalhead, as much as I can loosely say that. Yeah. Um, in that I enjoy almost all varieties of metal, except for like grindcore and like the really disgusting ones where they're like, Neh. the really grimy stuff. I'm like, yeah, I don't know sure. if I'll do that. But um, the way that they, that Deaf Heaven did that combination that I kind of alluded to before, they took the screamed vocals um, and the truly heavy tremolo guitars of black metal and of a lot of just that original scene um, and combined that with just the chord-based beauty and just like emotional appeal of post-rock like with like the crescendos and the decrescendos and just playing with emotions and time and like building and falling and kind of leading the listener along emotionally with and like sonically just tying those two things together cool and um playing with like the the very hazy atmospheric palette of shoegaze that's yeah. probably like people call this genre black gaze um for black metal and shoegaze and it's a pretty pioneering work within that loose genre tag sure though i don't like see as m- i see more of the post-rock than the shoegaze but hey i didn't come up with the name so i'm not going to do much to change it yeah but um it's uh, a conceptual record. Um, the cover is initially what stood out to me. It's like very like this nice this nice pink ish kind of, I don't other varieties of colors that are similar to pink. That's names I can't think of. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, that might be a nice indie album. And I started listening. I'm like, <laughs> this is not an indie album. That man is screaming really loud about po- poetry and flowers. That's the thing though. Like it's so aggressive. Yeah. And comes off and their later albums, or especially their um twenty fifteen album, New Bermuda, is actually like really intense and heavy. And you're like, Oh my gosh, are they okay? No, they're all alcoholics, but they're better now. Um Nice. But on this one, they really that's kind of a front. Yeah. Uh like the vocals are screamed and they're super intense and intimidating. But most of the lyrics are just like about how he's poor and like wants to feel happy. Yeah. And like live in a dream um like the first song is called dream house yeah and it's kind of the, the most memed song oh in all of atmospheric black metal yeah um and it's also like the most popular um and that's because i think it's the best um like the lyrics are like is it beautiful is it blissful are you dreaming i want to dream and it's like seeing what it would be like to actually live in a state of mind where you're actually happy Instead yeah. of living in this crushing capitalist hellscape where you're just walking around seeing the wealthy people just kind of crush you and take advantage of you and your friends and your and your community members and yeah. like people that are marginalized. Um, it's not as much of a political record. It just kind of like is more about the personal struggle of the lyricist and vocalist George Clark, who really, really looks like a Nazi. He's not. <laughs> a lot of black metal artists and singers and people are Nazis and you shouldn't support them. He yeah. just really looks like Richard Spencer. It's kind of not funny, but it's also really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a Nazi. Um, but he's, yeah, th- that poetry and like some of their other so- later songs on other albums are just like 
bros just out here screaming about like the world of flowers and like yeah. stuff. But like you wouldn't guess that because he's like shredding his vocal cords. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in a safe manner. He's been doing this for a long enough time. That I'm yeah. That's what he's doing. But it's just such a front, and it's just like deep down, it's like actually much more contemplative, much more peaceful, much more just kind of emotional than you would expect from how loud and sonically violent it is. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of what drew me in initially and kind of helped me overcome the barrier of the fact that it's a lot of screaming and yeah. a lot of just really loud music. Yeah. Because um, this is my first exposure to it besides like, I don't know, like Master of Puppets or something. Like that doesn't really count though. That's pretty much just like pop at this point. Yeah. Um, it's very good, but it's still pop. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what else to say about that. I've seen this band twice. Cool. Probably the best live band I've ever seen. Um, oh, very cool. Only times I've ever moshed. Uh, <laughs> literally, mosh pit more spiritual than any church I've ever been in. Oh, man. I, I say that as it's a joke. It's something else. But also, it's true. Like, I, it is m- much more of a spiritual and communal experience. And just everyone is so... Uns- there's, just un- there's no spoken words, but everyone is on the same page of just supporting yeah. each other and just letting themselves just be unleashed and just, like, flopping yeah. around and hitting each other, but, like, lovingly. Um, <laughs> while a bunch of weird Aryan looking dudes and then one Indian guy um, are on stage just kind of shredding and screaming and you're like this is art it's really good though no one that's listening will probably check it out or if they do will enjoy it and that's okay nice nice that's okay it's um, the album is Sunbather by Deaf Evan came out in 2013 it's really good nice so we're gonna we're gonna break things off here. Yeah. We're we're actually pretty close to an hour now, and we've only gotten yeah, through halfway off off my Caleb. <laughs> like, oh, we could probably make like hour long episodes now that we're not like constrained by time anymore. <laughs> hey, look, we can, we don't need to do two parts. I'm like, no, we should do two parts anyways. Yeah. Um. How precious here we are. Of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was our first five respective favorite albums of the decade. Yeah. Um. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Monday Music Hour. We might need to rethink the title now that we're not <laughs> yeah. really, we're just completely giving up on the whole yeah. shortness of it all. Um, but hey, at the current moment, it's still the Monday Music Minute and yeah. we don't have anything better. Uh, make sure to come back hopefully next week. At the very least, keep your eyes peeled in your podcast feeds for part two, which will hopefully be coming out very soon. Yes. To hear the next five albums that each of us loves a lot. From the decade of the, the 2010s. Almost forgot how to say the 2010s there. Um, again, thank you for listening. I'm Wes Mullenberg. I was joined, as always, by... Caleb Davis. Caleb Davis. His that favorite band is 21 Pirates. You're uh, right. Yar. Anyways, get, uh, please uh, thank you and get out of my house. Oh.